Welcome to the 13th episode of Being Jewish. I'm Seth Everett. He is Dave Weisberg. Hello. Dave, we are in a position now where this podcast, when we started, is very, very different than what it is now. The war between Israel and Hamas is having reverberations around the world. Jewish people are under siege. And when we conceptualized this podcast, it was about anti-Semitism. I think that has multiplied by like a thousand. What has gone on has jarred you and I. You are much more invested in this, but everybody, anybody who who has a heart is invested in this. You don't have to be Jewish to. Um, let's break down what the last few days have been like for you, because, again, everything's fluid. So we're not going to recap the headlines because the headlines could change by the time you press play. And this podcast is getting released later today. So. I appreciate you saying that I'm more invested in this. However, I disagree. I think we're all invested in this. The key, which has been my MO because I haven't had time to think whatsoever, and I think this is the case for many of us, is if an opportunity presents itself where you are needed to make a difference, that you show up for that opportunity. We're doing that with that podcast. You are doing that every time your voice is needed and using the skills you have. That's what I've been doing. I haven't had much of a single moment to think or reflect except when my rage bubbles up or my concern or sadness or whatever other emotion. It has been brutal and our people are in pain. Our people are in pain with what's happening in Israel. With as the information becomes more widely available on the brutalities inflicted on civilians deliberately by Hamas, the glee that they took in doing unspeakable things to people of all ages, genders, backgrounds, uh, peaceniks, whatever. It's sickening. And the disappointment as the data came out of how much intelligence Hamas actually had and the wondering how they possibly acquired it, where the information may have been leaked for them to be able to perpetrate such an awful response. So I've been trying to pace myself, but we spent a lot of time working with the schools to make sure that their responses are appropriate and supportive. You know, I know the schools care about our children, but there are children coming from diverse backgrounds and everyone thinks they know the story. And unfortunately, something that the schools had to have pointed out to them is this is a case where not all opinions are valid or welcome. Some opinions no, are but wrong. even valid opinions are differing. Yes, that's the problem. And some of those. Yes, but at because least of that, because they're all differing people with the wrong ideas and the wrong information are feeling emboldened to say and speak their minds. And in some cases it's creating extra conflict. I guess what I'm arguing is if they are built on false information, they are not valid opinions. Oh, correct. They may be someone's opinion, but they may be completely wrong. And I think we need to be moving back into a world where it's okay for children to sometimes be corrected and where our teachers have a responsibility to 
be armed with the correct information. All right, let, let's let's brass no, tax this. That's let's, sorry, let, that's what I've been so, dealing with. So let's with not for speak in generalities. <laughs> All right, no, no, that's fine. Let's not speak in generalities. There is a faction of this world. Let's look macro here. There's a faction of this world that feels that Israel's retaliation by quote unquote leveling Gaza is inhumane and it is wrong. So what has taken place is that has manifested into anyone that has had an anti-Israel stance before is saying, look at the atrocities that Israel is going to create. Now, the problem with that is you can be pro-Palestinian. And that doesn't mean you support Hamas. And that does not mean that you are anti-Israel. This is one of the problems with pro-Palestinian organizations, especially the ones that are present on college campuses. This is my experience on college. One of the major organizations that was quote-unquote pro-Palestinian was Solidarity for Palestinian Human Rights, or another one, Students for Justice in Palestine. Here's the problem. None of them are actually interested in making sure that Palestinian human rights are supported by their leadership or that the Palestinian uh, territories are built up for people to live good lives. All they seek is the destruction of Israel. And if you are seeking the destruction of another nation and the annihilation of another people, you have absolutely no moral high ground to stand on. If you're criticizing Israeli policies because they are harming another people, go for it. Have a field day. I will do that as well. Do not tell me that your country has a right to exist and mine doesn't. If you want to play the game of who was there first... Because that's not a pro-Palestinian movement. That's an anti-Israel movement. Right. And if these pro-Palestinians want to play the game of who got there first, which is not a productive game, nor something I believe in doing, because there should be two states, guess what? Jews were in the land of Israel and did not leave willingly. And they were there far before Islam even became a religion. So... Don't play that game with us. Do not. Problem here is there's such a small voice of people who get it, who understand the facts of the case and take a different stance. Yeah. Here, here's, here's one argument I heard. I want to say it was Lindsey Graham said on meet the press this weekend said Hamas is forbidding innocent Palestinians from leaving Gaza. So any deaths that are coming as a result of the Israeli offensive, the the, the blood is on Hamas's hands. That rhetoric is infuriating Palestinians. Yes, and it should. Right. Because, yes, Israel is being forced into a position where there are no good scenarios. They are obligated to protect their people. They are obligated to protect all Israeli citizens. And there is a terrorist entity that is using the entire Palestinian population as a human shield. And Israel is going to be forced to take out Hamas because that's the only way that we can get lasting safety there in this scenario. Hamas has demonstrated that they are playing a long game and there is no negotiation with them. So Palestinians are in the way. And I put that responsibility on Hamas. Hamas will not be the only entity to cause them pain and suffering, but it is not entirely on Israel either. And if you cannot speak with nuance, then one should not speak. 
So these pro-Palestinian messages then become anti-Israel. And on college campuses, there have been rallies, anti-Israel rallies at Harvard, McGill University. I'm just naming ones that I've seen Top schools, yeah. So this you can is bet not... they're happening at my alma mater at York University in Toronto. Uh, they're all over the place, everywhere. Yeah, I mean, l- let's be honest. L- let's be completely clear. There, Times Square was filled with these protesters. You know, they London was filled with these. To London's credit, from what I understand, they were told that if anyone specifically waved anything in support of Hamas, they would be arrested. That's well, nice that we can at least have that specific there, that that's reasonable. Let's talk about that Friday. That Friday uh, was October 13th, Friday the 13th. And Hamas had declared it a day of anger. And we, as the Jewish community, people were afraid. We were reassured, thankfully, by our incredible support in the government that, uh, you know, from the security bodies who are who look at facts and are generally interested in protecting people, there was no credible threat. And still, people were afraid to send their kids to day school. We uh, had my, to reassure my, my people kids, to get them at the services. So I'll, I'll tell the truth. My, my, my daughter goes to a public school and her and her friends saw all the notes. And then the superintendent reached out and essentially said, well, don't worry, we're beefing up security. And they were like, you're telling us you're beefing up security. I don't want to go. Yeah. And so my kids stay home from school. And I was supposed to be, full disclosure, I was supposed to cover, not go as a fan, I was supposed to cover a New York Comic Con. And I didn't. Because the way my logic went was if that rally in Times Square turned violent, there aren't enough police to stop the amount of people in the Javits Center. Yeah, they're not. Who am I being a, a badass to? Like, I, I stayed home. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't stay in my house, but I didn't go to Comic-Con. Meanwhile, I mean, I'm just filled with rage, as are a lot of colleagues, because we, particularly uh, the more progressive movements of Judaism, we take pride in standing up for the rights of all these groups. Right. We are on picket lines for LGBTQIA plus. We are on picket lines for AAPI. We are on picket lines for uh, for BIPOC communities because it's the right thing to do, because people who are facing oppression and who have those who are trying to intimidate them and cause fear and see them as less than human, they need support in that. And until every human being can be treated with dignity we our work is not done as jews and i've heard from some of our partners i've heard from some of our allies i had another ally tell me that it's not quid pro quo and they shouldn't you know i i can be there for them but i shouldn't expect them to have to stand up for us which is deeply offensive well it kind of makes you remember who your friends are yeah uh, other uh, plenty of them have been absolutely silent so uh Seth, can I, I just in my rage, and then I've done a second edit, can I share with you a letter that I've drafted? I don't know what I'm going to do with this yet. I guess you can't really say no, given that I'm a co-host, right? 
Well, no, you you asked on the show. If you had asked off the show, I could have said no. You asked on the show. Now I look like a real heel. Well, uh, no. on the record, I did ask before the show. First. Yeah, yeah that's an naked. old radio trick. When you want to have a guest for another segment, ask them on the air. Because what are they going to say? No. That's kind of like how I uh, how I became vice president of the local interfaith clergy association. Tell the public they're doing it, and then it's hard to back out. Yeah, it's also an honor to serve. But um, so. An open letter to friends, colleagues, and partners. It has now been nine days since the start of Hamas's massive terrorist attack on Israel, on my family, friends, and brethren. We are nine days into a period where more than 1,300 Israelis have been killed, more than 1,000 of them innocent civilians who were not collateral, but specific targets. Nine days in where we are still learning about the atrocities committed with enthusiasm and glee by Hamas terrorists, Slaughter, rape, dismemberment, kidnappings, beheadings of babies, murdering children in front of their parents, thousands of rockets aimed towards civilian centers, the most Jews murdered horrendously in a single day since the Holocaust through horrific pogroms like we used to experience in Eastern Europe a century ago. There are anti-Israel, anti-Jewish protests happening all around the world. Times Square was filled with this poison, and statements like gas the Jews are being shouted repeatedly in many major population centers. Children in schools and young adults in colleges are permitted, if not encouraged, to share these perspectives, as it is their truth, their opinion, and them exercising their right to free speech, free speech that calls for violence to my people, free speech that encourages Hamas in their call for Jews all over the world to be targets to their jihad. Our people this past Friday were afraid wherever we were to send our children to school, to bring our families to synagogue, to even ride in a cab with an unknown driver. To those of you who have reached out via statement, text, phone call, email, or in person, thank you. We appreciate your recognition of our pain, and we appreciate your friendship. To the rest of you, your silence or worse is so loud it resounds across the earth. It is deafening. Where are you? Where are your morals, your values, your sense of right and wrong? Where is your sense of humanity? Are Jewish children less human than Palestinian children? Jewish innocence guilty and Palestinian innocence pure? Are you afraid of pushback from your congregants, patrons, partners, and donors for at the very least offering compassion for the lives of all innocents lost for recognizing the immense pain felt by your Jewish brethren? We have stood by you, marched with you, advocated for you, and spoken up for you, even when facing pressure not to. We have and continue to be at the forefront of the fight for rights for BIPOC, AAPI, LGBTQ+, and more. We know what it is to be oppressed. We know what it is to have to fight for our rights. We know how to be an ally. Do you? Maybe you don't understand that we, the Jewish community, we, the Jewish people, are one extended family, figuratively and literally. When one Jew is attacked, we all feel it. When one Jew is threatened, we are all concerned. And the vast majority of us, wherever we are in the world, have friends and family in Israel. We, the Jewish people, are hurting, concerned, and frightened. For smaller instances of anti-Semitism, you might have had a reasonable opinion or option of claiming ignorance, of not realizing that it happened or that we were impacted by it. There's no excuse, however, when the front page and much of the front section of the New York Times has full coverage of what's happening. Don't get me wrong, I care about the humanitarian plight of innocent Palestinians. Innocent people are innocent people and their suffering and pain should not be. 
but this is not a both sides are equally bad, or the Palestinians are more in the right kind of situation. There are stark differences that should be obvious to any intelligent person. There is a difference between collateral damage when going after a massive terrorist entity who uses the civilian population and their infrastructure for launch sites and as human shields. And all Jews, no matter who they are, being declared as enemy combatants and fair targets. There is no justification whatsoever for beheading babies on a kibbutz for doing the awful things described above to hundreds of young people at an all-night peace concert. If you will argue that Hamas is justified because of the blockade or because of the Palestinians' history of being oppressed, let's get a few things straight. There is no justification in any moral system for Hamas's acts against Israelis and Jews. One does not discredit the first clause by agreeing with the second. For those who say, but the Israelis have bomb shelters and safe rooms, but the Palestinians don't, think again. Gaza has an immense infrastructure of bunkers. The difference? Civilians get to use these bunkers in Israel. Hamas reserves theirs for terrorists and hostages. For those who say that Israel has an obligation to provide for Gazans' needs, I ask you, why is that the responsibility exclusively of Israel? Gaza shares a border with Egypt. Do some research. Check and see how many Arab states have actively worked to help the Palestinians improve their standard of living in a way that didn't start and stop with making demands of Israel. For those who say, but the Palestinians are the underdog here, A, that's no justification again for what happened, and B, understand that it's not just the Palestinians. It's the Palestinians with their allies in Hezbollah and Iran. There's a big difference here. If you are remaining silent, then you are complicit. If you are speaking up in favor of Palestinians and Hamas, but refuse to acknowledge and empathize with the plight of my people, then you have just demonstrated yourself to be inconsistent and hypocritical, and have no business in critiquing any of Israel's policies, past, present, or future. If you think what Hamas is doing is in any way justified or deserved, then your words and deeds demonstrate you to be one of the following. Biased, morally questionable, inconsistent, uninformed, a righteous idiot, or a plain old anti-Semite. And if you cannot bother in reading this, or I'll say hearing this, to pick up the phone or write a message, then know this. If I show up at the same protest as you or in support of anything that you support, it's not because I am your ally. You've made that clear. It's not because I care about you. You clearly don't care about me. It's because I will continue to do what's right and necessary in this world, and my Judaism and humanity demand it. But I don't owe you anything. If you are not in this camp, again, if you have reached out, thank you, my friend. That pretty much sums up what many of us rabbis, particularly those of us in progressive camps, are feeling right now. What are you going to do with that? I have to figure that part out. Probably needs a few more edits. It definitely, there's some comments. Will you, say, will you say it on camera? Yeah. Would you say it in front of a crowd? Yes. I mean, there's, there seems like there's a rally every third day. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful, man. Thank you. It, it just, there is no... There is no way that you can say what Hamas did is okay and have any ground to stand on in critiquing anything that settlers, that people violating Israeli law or even the most extremist right-wing government have done. Sam Harris, who is one of the meditation gurus, very uh, and has been very atheist as well. I wasn't quite sure how he would come on this. He had a post on Instagram that said, 
All you have to do is think about it the other way. Could you ever picture Israel using their own innocent population as civilian shields? Could you ever picture them going excitedly into Gaza and deliberately harming children? The answer should be clear. There is no moral equivalence. And the Palestinians are going to suffer because of the choices that their leadership has made and because of what Israel is going to have to do to protect their innocent population, because that's their first obligation. There is a quote from um, Golda Meir that is her saying to the enemies around them, I can forgive you for killing my children. I cannot forgive you for making me kill yours. Or something along those lines. I might be paraphrasing it a little bit. The, they played a clip of her, not not what you just said, but they played a clip of her on Meet the Press. Yeah. She'd been on Meet the Press like a dozen times. Yeah. By the way, could you picture the Palestinian nation putting a woman in the place of prime minister? Oh, no. Of course not. Yeah. No, I, I don't want to get into the ideology. No, sorry, I'm just very, very angry right now. No, I get it. I get yeah. it. I, I just, I, I want to try to be uh, productive. What is your stance on all the TikToks and all the Instagrams and the, the videos and the reels? And it's everywhere. My kids cannot avoid it. Um, not, I'm not speaking about my children. Yeah. What... You know, we haven't had that conversation on this podcast, but yeah. I've said in the past, uh, I want the the social media companies to regulate themselves. I don't want to have to be the bad cop and be the only parent on, in the neighborhood that takes Instagram away. You know, Instagram should be 18 and over. Yeah. And because it's not, I can't tell my kid, you are the only one of your friend group that can't have Instagram. At the least, these social media companies have an obligation to okay. put parental filters in place okay. to give you that option. I don't know about you. When I was a kid, there was always TV that I was not allowed to watch because it was too. Yeah, but adult. that was your family. That, that wasn't there wasn't a, yeah. a, an algorithm that could stop the channel from tuning. Correct. Now there should be an algorithm. However, we also knew that there were some channels that were safe, right? I have no issue having my kids watch PBS Kids with any supervision. There were some channels that had smut after a certain hour and something in between. And then there was HBO where you go for whatever, uh, you know, whatever you're well, looking for. Well, that, right. This, And then there was Cinemax. but <laughs> <laughs> So we didn't have I, I didn't know if Cinemax where I was, but uh, <laughs> but there, okay, for the so social media, we don't have these controls. Therefore, okay. particularly now. So the it answer be that is we're keeping all kids off of it. Right. But the answer is not, okay, delete Instagram off your kids' phones. That that's not the answer. TikTok is 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 really the one. Yeah. The imagery, because Hamas videoed everything, it has circulated. I sent you that video. Yeah. That and not that, only it was a woman getting burned alive. Yeah. I'd never seen that before. I, I, I couldn't believe it. And the only reason I clicked on it was who I was sent it to as a friend, uh, a relative in the UK who said, this is going around and they're being circulated everywhere. How do we stop it? 
here's the additional problem we don't know what is actually truthful and what is either a falsification right we remember there were a number of years ago where there was a video of a funeral of certain martyrs in the palestinian territories where in the video they caught the guy falling off of the stretcher who was supposed to be dead and getting back on it right there is propaganda and let's be frank there's probably propaganda coming from both sides Again, I'm not putting an equivalent here. I'm just saying there are probably people who would do that. Uh, there are definitely bots from uh, we have evidence of Russian bots who put propaganda on all sides for whatever concern there is. Mm -hmm. You know, there is some video footage that goes up. We know Hamas is doing this from previous fights that they can add to the mix. So problem is all of the stuff that's on social media simply cannot be trusted. So if we cannot count on the apps to take care of it, if we cannot keep our kids off of it, then at the least we have to educate them to not believe a thing that they see and instead go to reputable news sources for their information. We have to be able to teach the next generation to distill what is fact from what is either false or certainly dubious or unverified. That's the best we can do if we can't limit what they encounter. Okay, then let's micro that and say... How often should a parent listening to this podcast talk to their children and how important is it to make sure that the mental health of your children should not be assumed? You need to spend every don't know day. what they're being exposed right. to. And listen, it, it, and if, if you take it off their phones, they're going to use their friends phones. They're going to see yeah. So we need to spend every day as parents concerned about the mental health of our children every hour right now. Uh, but that was also the case prior to this war. That's been the case since COVID hit and probably before that, too. As far as how often you check in on your kids, every parent has a different system. Every parent has a different relationship. You need to know what will actually be effective. The problem is, with as with a lot of folks, you hit them too many times and they'll shut down or blot you out or block you out, right? So the key is push your kids as much as we can. And don't over push it because you want to make sure that they continue to hear you. But again, for specific quantities, uh, every parent knows or every parent should know what will work best with their teenagers, with their kids. I've been impressed with how unified Israel has been. Yeah. Because, we were very divided. Days before uh, the Hamas attack, you could argue that we were closer to an Israeli civil war. They, the, there was anger on both sides of the political spectrum, and it was, it. I mean, I it, just call it what it is. It was a shit show going on. It's probably one of the 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 vulnerabilities that led to the Hamas attack. But in the days since then, Israelis have done a better job of saying forget this we need to just focus on our sanctity yeah and they've rallied around each other left right it it doesn't matter what i would then say is use that as the model america because the chaos that is ensuing i mean the united states can't authorize uh, aid to israel because there's no speaker of the house because these cuckoos are, are, are just out for blood. Yeah. 
And what what I think about because you know the the comparisons to the Hamas attack has been compared to nine eleven. And in nine eleven, I was in New York when President Bush stood on top of the rubble and said, "We're going to get these guys who brought you know brought down these buildings." And everyone rallied around him, and fifty one percent of the country didn't vote for him. Yep, because sometimes you have to do what needs to be done. Right. Yeah. No, we've got this on our hands. And remember, the rabbis predicted this, not in well, and, uh, full and, detail. And, and, but... and all the uh, all the, get, the, the, the the people running for president want to take shots at Biden because of his, whether he's handled it too much or too little or this or that. They just want blood. At some point, shut Put up. Put that aside. Start working. The rabbis tell us that the Second Temple fell and ultimately our final exile from the land before modern times. Not because we weren't doing what we we're supposed to do. They blame the first temple destruction on this. This one, they say, sinatrinam, baseless hatred. As a society, we were in broken factions that could not function together, and society collapsed, and the enemy came in. And guess what? Here we are. This is quite a time. I can't believe we started this podcast before all this. Yep. Well. You never know when you'll be in the right place at the right time, Seth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I trade. I'll trade this podcast for uh, normalcy. Yeah. What I would give for a boring year. Right. Yeah. Like, what do you want to talk about? Uh, right. Could you imagine? There were days. The there were episode. days. Right. We were like doing episode six, and we were like, "What do we want to tackle today?" Hmm. How about larva, right? Like, let's just talk about the miracle of insects growing because that's what's interesting, right? No, what I would do for that. Right. Yeah. Well, it just dwarfs a lot of other things that are also important, you know? Yeah. I don't want to take those episodes down, but no. the, the whole show has a different feel to it. Yeah. On that Love note, it. we will yeah. see you next week because we are going to keep uh, publishing episodes and... We have some some things in the works, some people we want to speak to, and we're just going to keep doing this podcast because it needs to be done. Exactly. Well, see you next time. Please share this with someone who needs it. <laughs>